Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hi guys, I'm so excited about today. Today is um, a bit of a different podcast for me. It is an interview and I'm going to have these occasionally, have a few friends that I think would be uh, great to have on here. And I'm so excited that Sabrina Schlesinger is the very first guest on this podcast. And I first uh, met Sabrina when I started writing for her online publication, mommentor.org. And uh, she is just an incredible woman. Um, She is a pastor along with her husband, who is a pastor. They have four kids. They also have two different podcasts. One is called Parenting on the Go and one is called Marriage on the Go. And what I really love about their podcasts is that they do not shy away from any topic. They just talk about all of the hard things, all of the real life things. They have a great perspective, a great balance, um, his perspective, her perspective, and they don't claim to be experts in anything, but they are learning and growing and um, so encouraging. So after you're done with this podcast, I suggest you head over there and subscribe to both Parenting on the Go and Marriage on the Go. So anyways, I'm not going to talk anymore. Let's just get right to that interview with Sabrina. I'm sitting here with Sabrina Schlesinger. I I could never <laughs> pronounce your name. Can okay. you tell me, tell me your name? Yeah. Ignore the C and the H. So it's just Schlesinger. Okay. Schlesinger. Okay, yeah. That is a good tip. That C-H really throws people off. Yeah. <laughs> I often have said to my husband, Sabrina, Schle- oh, I'm just going to stop. <laughs> so Sabrina, um, you are a mom of four. You run two different podcasts, Marriage on the Go and Parenting on the Go. Mm -hmm. You run a website for moms called mommentor.org. You are a pastor's pastor's wife, but also an ordained pastor, co-pastoring your church in the area of? San Diego. Okay. So I didn't know if it was San Diego specific or if you went... We are in Oceanside, California specific, North County, San Diego. Okay. That sounds like a rough life living in. <laughs> we suffer for the gospel okay. hard down here yeah. with our 65 degree weather. Yeah, it's it's rough. I God has put it in my heart to go to California, so I am like, is this you? Is this me? Uh, <laughs> but you are a busy busy woman. So I really just wanted to ask you um, I love following your Insta stories and just how real you are with people whether you are talking about clothing that you received online and sharing that with people or um, some of your Friday huddles that are so real. And so I've gotten so much out of following you and I just wanted to hear more about how, how you find yourself sometimes in uh, survival mode in your life and what that looks like. And then also how uh, you, how you fight your way into a place of thriving. Yeah. Well, gosh, I would probably say that this whole last year, maybe even the last two and a half years, I know that sounds really long. I've had probably more 
seasons in this last two and a half year of survival mode than thriving just because of the circumstances that have happened in our life. Um, one of which was that we adopted our son two and a half years ago. And uh, that was a much more difficult journey than I anticipated. And partly because everything happened so rapidly, like within eight weeks from the moment God spoke to us to the, about when he was in our home, it happened so rapid. So there wasn't a whole lot of time to process our family, to adjust. It was not on our radar. And so going from only having three daughters to now a four and a half year old little boy, I felt like I got dropped into boiling hot water and he's a great kid, like awesome, sweet, kind, resilient, funny. Yeah. Uh, but for any like girl mom who's never had experience with a boy and then to have one come in with um, the challenges that he did, uh, having been uh, getting adopted at four and a half and then have me being all of a sudden in a world with a little boy, uh, which I did not know their world. So that there's that whole aspect of me feeling like I have been in survival mode with that, uh, feeling really overwhelmed at times, feeling really alone at times, because not a whole lot of people understand my world when right. it comes to uh, adoption and adopting an older child. Um, so there's been that whole aspect. And then the last year, uh, about a year ago, even today, we had an unfortunate situation happen um, in our world with one of my best friends and just a whole lot of brokenness and heartache and betrayal. And so this whole last two and a half years has been a lot of survival. And I found myself... Um, gosh, how do I find myself in survival mode? <laughs> I, I, I feel like I am way more emotional hmm. and sensitive and guarded. And I feel like there is a tendency in me to, um, when I'm in survival mode, to go into my hermit mode. And like, I don't want to let anyone in. I don't want to be around people unless I absolutely have to. I I just want to hide. And so that's what happens to me in survival mode. And so I've had to be super deliberate about not getting so far into that mode that I just disappear from life. So that is so relatable. Uh, what, when you find yourself in that mode, because I think we can all relate to feeling like, okay, now I want to hide either behind a screen or yeah. on the couch or whatever it is. How do you, you said you're deliberate. How do you then take those deliberate steps? Like, what does that look like for you? The deliberate steps to get out of survival mode? Yeah. And even just to not, in a sense, not to give in to how you're feeling because you're feeling like, I just want to go back to bed or bury myself yeah. at home. Well, I would say I, I'm not always successful at that. There are times and there's been weeks where I have just indulged in that and um, been really lonely and kind of have like hid behind the screen and hid behind Candy Crush and yep. <laughs> Netflix binging. And so I think at times I have like totally let myself go there. But 
one thing that I know I've done well at is, you know, my husband is my best friend and he has been with me through every step of the way um, with all of the things going on. But one thing that I've just continually have done deliberately is to reach out and get help, Mm -hmm. uh, whether that is other pastoral friends who have gone through very similar scenarios that I have gone through, um, that they've been there before. I've been really vulnerable, I guess, with the right people. Uh, so some people listening to this that, that have, um, maybe been following me, they're probably not aware of the deep struggle that I've been in, in the last two and a half years, because I don't share that with everyone because not everyone needs to know that, but there have been safe places and safe people throughout this last two and a half years that I've gotten like ugly raw with, like, like this is the, the, the junk inside of me. These are the embarrassing thoughts that I have. These are the, the shameful, even like dialogue that I have on the inside of me that if I just keep it in and I don't get it out, it's going to destroy me. And so I've had a number of people that I have found throughout this last two and a half years, and especially this last year that have been those people that have already gone before in these areas. They're, they're much, not even much older than me, although some are, but they have just been down this road before and they know how to navigate it. And uh, so they've helped me navigate through some of this stuff. So that's one huge thing that I have always done and will always do is to not process everything by myself, but to find people who have gone before and to get honest with them. That's one well, su- super huge thing for me. That that I think is so huge because what we can do is, and I think this is also part of the way the enemy works, is that we can um, feel like we are the only ones who yeah. have experienced this or we are the, we are alone in our isolation and our thoughts yeah. and things like you said, things can begin to fester inside. But as you were saying, you are open with these people. You're bringing the stuff out to the light, which is then where it can really yes. be dealt with. And in even dealing with it with a friend and then coming to God with that, that is so powerful. Well, yeah, I think, you know, the word talks about how we need to confess our sins to God. And, and it's not even that all the things I'm confessing are sins, but struggles, right? Yeah. And we go to him for getting cleansed, but it talks about going to one another for healing. And when we confess our sins or our stuff to one another, that's where healing happens. And so if I just did it to God, which I do, obviously that's like number one thing I'm talking to God about all of this stuff. But if I just do it there, I'm only getting half of the puzzle and I'm only getting half healed. God designed it for us to have these horizontal relationships so that we can be a part of the healing process for one another. And really they can be his his physical arms and his physical hands and hugs and words that we can actually hear so that he can demonstrate his love through others to us. So man, I know that, that isolation is real. I know that the enemy wants to, to get us alone in our thinking, in our struggle, in our person. And I've just, you know, maybe I've just seen too much as a pastor knowing what that does when all of a sudden people go AWOL and they've disappeared and they think I've got to 
work through all of this and then I'll come back to church. And I'm always like, no, that's the worst thing you can do. Be real. It's okay to not be okay at church. It's okay to not be okay with your friends and your family and your counselors and your mentors. Like get honest because that's where healing and wholeness comes. Yeah. I really appreciated that you created that there is a difference between sharing everything with everyone and then finding your safe people. Um, So what would you say to somebody who's listening who, who says, I don't know who my safe people are. I don't know how to find those people. Um, What sort of encouragement would you have for people? Yeah. I, this doesn't happen overnight. It really has to be a deliberate choice that you make to invest in these kind of relationships. And so I would say twofold. One is find a Christian counselor. I'm all about having someone that knows our psyche, that knows how we think or knows how to get us to ask the right questions to figure out what's going on inside of us and then helping us with some steps to get out of the pit that we're in. So just like if I had cancer in my body, I would go to a professional to get help, to get healed. The same for my mental health and my emotional health. So I would start there, but then as far as other relationships, I would get involved in small groups at your church. Small groups are such a great way to, as adults, (laughs) like be in an environment where you can start building those natural relationships that can progress into those kind of safe havens and mentorship relationships. Uh, Matthew and I have always done this since we've been married, always trying to find older couples that are ahead of us, uh, that we look at and we're like, man, we love their marriage. We love how their kids turned out. We love how they communicate or whatever we're looking for in that. We find those individuals and then we take them out to coffee and we, we interview them. We ask them questions. We spend time with them. And uh, even in that, maybe we're not sharing all of our struggles at, on day one, but what we're doing is we're starting to build a bridge of trust that in the future we can turn to them. And we're not like saying, will you be my mentor? Right. Yes. You know, but we're just pursuing people that, that look at least on the outside, like they have it together and we kind of investigate and see if they really do. And from there we continue to invest deliberately in those relationships so when crisis happens, we have someone to reach out to. Yeah, I love that. I love the um, deliberate, you know, of avoiding the question, will you be my mentor? Because I think that comes with a lot of weight and people can oh, yeah. be afraid of that. But yeah. just um, pursuing, and I've done this in my, old, my own life, pursuing people who are a little further along the path, who you can say, this is somebody I look up to and I want to get to know them a little bit more. I want to ask them some of those marriage questions or parenting questions. And again, that same idea of I can take you out for a cup of coffee. Um, and just, I just want to learn from you. And I find people would rarely say no to that. Absolutely. They love, yeah. People love giving their own. And I find that sometimes it's not even just their own wisdom. They'll share their, their mistakes they've made along the way and they want other people to learn from those. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, me too. So how do you also find balancing um, in the midst of all this, balancing all of your responsibilities? You wear so many hats. How do you manage that? Uh, Well, I do naturally have 
the bent towards having an administrative gift. And so part of that in me comes naturally of really scheduling out my time, my days, what's going on on this day during this hour. So I have a little bit, probably an advantage with just my personal gift mix to be able to juggle a lot of things at one time. Um, but, and I, if you've listened to our podcast, you will know that we say this all the time, but my number one thing of balance is having a Sabbath day. Mm-hmm. And it, it really is a gift from God that he give, gave to us um, for our betterment. And it's our way of expressing back to God, I trust you, just like I would trust you with the tithe, that you can do more with that 10% than I could do with my 100% of if I kept it all. You could do more with that. Um, it's the same concept with our time. And if I give God that one day where I cease from work, I cease from labor, and I invest in uh, rest, not just physical rest, but emotional and spiritual rest and rest with the family, then I find that I'm able to do a whole lot more um, on those six days and be way more effective and that God actually blesses that and the fruit of my labor a whole lot more than if I tried to do seven full days of work. So for me, balance really does include Sabbath day. It includes clocking in and clocking out and uh, knowing when to say no. Matthew and I are pretty jealous with our time um, with one another as well as with our family. So there's not a whole lot that we allow to interrupt and get in our get in that arena. Um, just because we've seen a lot of people over the decades um, lose their family to ministry, and we just refuse to do that. So, so practice, yeah, I just love I love this because I feel like. It's so funny. It's so countercultural in some ways. It's almost like a mind reset to say, you have permission or you are supposed to rest here and trust that, like you said, you can operate in those six days so much more fully being rested. But practically, and the reason I say it's countercultural, practically, the world is running from place to place seven days a week. And especially having kids, I don't know what day you take your. Sabbath day, but often kids have stuff on the go. So what does that look like for you guys? And how do you manage that with kids? Well, our normal Sabbath day is Saturday. And so this is also super culture, counter-cultural. Um, but we, we don't sign up our kids for a lot of extracurricular curricular activities. Um, I, I think when we look at the reality of how many actually end up being sports stars and all of this stuff. And we, we, the percentage is so small, like it's so small. So we're like, okay, what is the benefit? Is it going to benefit my kid more to be in Saturday morning soccer every single Saturday, or is it going to benefit my kid more to have a day of rest to teach them that as well? And to be a part of, other things that I feel have a little more eternal value. And I know that's not popular. I no. know I'll probably get backlash for it. And, but, and I'm not saying that to not have your kids in extracurricular activities, but I think that our society is so focused on 
do, 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 be, 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 like hustle, 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 that we like get that onto our kids and they themselves never have a day of rest. And I'm thinking, man, what are we teaching our kids on trusting God and being with one another? And, and, and then, you know, we, we forego church because we have this game or this activity and this, and I just haven't seen that work for very many families. I just haven't. In, in the 21 years that I have been in full-time ministry, I have not seen that method work. And those kids come back around and one, they're not like superstars in anything, and, but they're broken and they're hurting because they haven't had the right foundation of what should be in first place and first priority. So practically for us, it looks like not signing up our kids for every single thing. And really church is our extracurricular activity for the most part. We have tried things from time to time. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. We, we don't center our world around uh, extracurricular activities. We center our world around God and our first priority, which is serving the body of Christ. And so if things fit in around that, great. But if it interrupts those, then for us, it's just not an option. I'm like silently cheering. <laughs> um, this year, we actually decided to take a year off activities. And last year, we had been running around from thing to thing. And I was amazed how many activities went the entire year. Yes. And for myself personally, I just found I really struggled. I, my value, one of my values is to sit around the dinner table at night. Yeah. And I found that we weren't managing that with my husband's busy ministry schedule and other things, I just found like, we need to have this family dinner. And so um, occasionally we would miss a practice to have dinner or other things like that. But this year I just said, you know what? My kids are young enough. I want to take a year off. And I have loved that decision, but there has been the odd time where this voice in my head has said, oh, you're behind and your kids are going to suffer or this something, you know what I mean? That the yeah. world that tries to say, other kids over here are doing this and they're going to be so successful or something right. like the, this is the path to success. But I mean, I totally agree with you that um, they're probably not going to you know, become these Olympic champions and, <laughs> and that can be this, this focus. And so I've really found it's probably going to be this thing from year to year that we navigate as to what we do sign up for and, yes. and in a sense, be intentional with it. Yes. Um, so we, we too have, have had that, day of rest. And I think that has been a huge game changer for our family to be able to say, we're going to have a Saturday morning brunch together and, um, and we're just going to connect, which yeah. I, I do think is quite unique um, in our culture. Well, and I find like, I would rather spend, I've got four kids trying to juggle alone time with each kid and have date nights with my husband and have like moments for myself because I'm an introvert by nature. I need alone time to recharge. And so like, if I had them in all four of them in extracurricular activities, and I'm trying to get one-on-one -on -one date nights with my kids and one, I mean, it's like, I would rather invest one-on-one -on -one time with them and be like, Hey, this Saturday morning or this Friday night, I'm going out with this kid and we're going to have special time. I just feel like for longevity and, and true success, and that goes a whole lot farther than getting them in the latest dance class. Yeah. And I, I grew up so in I, dance class. I grew oh, yeah. up competing. Like that was my world and piano and all of swim 
I think, I, I think I've seen some of those videos actually. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, they're embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I want to just ask you one more question. Okay. Um, for yourself, when you find you're in a space where um, you know you're kind of either feeling heavy, you're feeling overwhelmed, um, how do you personally um, come to God? How do you recharge? Like, what is that? What is that alone time or what does that look like for you? Yeah. Okay. So I'll probably give a few practicals as well. Um, but for me, I, I honestly, it is, I have to be very verbal. Like I have to speak things out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's important for me to be alone. Yeah. Um, otherwise I look like a crazy person. Yeah. But for me, I actually say things like, Lord, right now I'm feeling anxious or worried or concerned about this. This thing is overwhelming me. And I like right now, like, and I'll use my hands. Like I am like physically, like verbally giving this thing over to you. I want to have control over it, but I'm choosing to put this into your hands. Even in faith, I'm doing that because sometimes I'm saying it and I don't really feel it on the inside, but I'm saying it still saying, Lord, even though I'm, I know I'm still white knuckling this thing, or even though I still feel the, the panic or the anxiety of this moment, um, or the fear or whatever, I want this to be true in me. And so I am going to speak this word. I'm going to continue to speak and give this thing, this anxiety over to you, um, until it's no longer in my hands. And sometimes that might be a hundred times a day. Like I might have to do that like one moment after another, after another, but at some point my, my, my spirit is going to line up with my words and it's going to actually be a point where I'm actually free from that anxiety, that stress, that worry, that place where I feel like I'm in that survival mode and overwhelmed. So for me, that's one really practical way. I, I can't, do this without the word of God. The word of God is alive. It is powerful. It is active. And even if I don't see it at work, just like when I take a medicine, I don't see how it works. I don't see all the details, but eventually it cleanses or it cures the ailment within me. The word of God does that as well. And so I like to take the word in as medicine And sometimes you need to like take medicine over and over again, like for it to be effective. And the same with the word, it's got to have time to, to get into you and to bear fruit. And so reading his word, the word that even counteracts whatever I'm struggling in, um, finding those specific scriptures that I can really fight that thing with. I will memorize it. I will put it up on my, my bathroom mirror. I am saying it over and over again until, again, it becomes reality and it's bearing fruit in me. That's one. Those are two ways that I bring it to the Lord. Um, practically, uh, it's taking a bath for me. It's, it's, I, I love to go walk around Marshall's by myself and I don't know what it is about shopping. And it's not even like I'm shopping. I will literally have a basket. I will find things. I will put them in and I will just be processing by myself. I think it's so enjoyable and relaxing for me. And then by the end of the hour that I'm there, I will put everything back. So I'm not spending any money, but I feel like I'm doing something and I'm enjoying like picking out beautiful things or this little new fake succulent and putting it in my cart. And then I put it away. And by the time that I'm done, I feel refreshed. (laughs) 
I don't know why. I'm going to try that. Marshall's works for me. (laughs) Well, I like the, I like the combination of the practical and the spiritual and also doing things that are relaxed. Like the bath is relaxing and you're just laying there, but then also the Marshall's is kind of, you're moving and you're actually engaging with beauty. Right. So you're saying, I like this. Yeah, and I most like people this. would think yeah. nature is beauty, but for yeah. me, it's Marshall's. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I love in the spiritual too, you're saying um, how you really are fighting when you don't feel it. And yeah. so I love those tools. I love the tools of saying it out loud, putting the scripture up, getting the word in you. I love that analogy of the medicine that you may not see it working right away, but just that. Sometimes it does take time because I think sometimes we, we just want that really quick fix. Yeah. We want that fast food Jesus. Like I'm just going to drive through and it's, it's better. Yeah. And you're like, why is it not better right away? Yeah. So that's well, like, so I've been going to the gym lately. And after the first day, um, I did not like see the results that I wanted. But in order for me to see the results, I have to be consistent and go daily and put on the extra weight. And I feel like oftentimes so many Christians and believers, we, we do that with the God, word of God or with one prayer and we just give up because we didn't see the results. But in no other area of our life do we apply that train of thought. But we do when it comes to his word and prayer. Oh, it didn't happen the first time. So God's not real. You know, and it's like, well, hold on. Why do we, why do we give more attention to our physical bodies and, and, and understand the concept of having to do something for a while before you see results, but we don't do that with God's word. So come on. I always say pray until what, until what, until you see it, the breakthrough, until you get your answer, pray until read that scripture until it becomes a reality in your life. So until. <laughs> That's so good. Well, I think we'll wrap it up there. I've so enjoyed talking to you. I'm sure we could talk for hours. Um, and how can people find you? Well, my number one way is Instagram. I love connecting on Instagram. So at Sabrina Schlesinger, S-C-H-L-E-S-I-N-G-E-R. It's a hard name to say. Uh, so definitely can connect with me there. You can email me at hello at mommentor.org. And then of course we have our website, mommentor.org that you are one of my amazing mom mentor writers. Uh, we've got about 14 different women from all different walks of life that share beautiful, timeless mom (laughs) wisdom, um, on such a variety. And then of course we have our two podcasts, parenting on a go on the go and uh, what's the other one? Marriage. Marriage on the go. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot you're doing. And those are with my husband and I, and they're a lot of fun. And I love them. I love how, Me how too. Uh, authentic they are. Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thanks for having me. Love you. Thanks for joining me today. If you'd like to connect more, you can find me hanging out on Instagram at Jacqueline.Widener. This has been an Extend Network production.